Welcome to Rolling Bones, the osteopathic podcast. I am your host today, Dr. James, and I would like to let you all know Dr. Dante wanted to be here, but he's on a well-deserved vacation. So we have a very special guest with us, joining us, Dr. Mindy Hansen. Welcome to the show. Well, hello. Thank you, Dr. James. I appreciate being here. We're glad to have you here. Now, for all of you, you need to know that uh, Dr. Mindy, she is one of our colleagues in the combined program, combining family medicine with osteopathic medicine. And she's about to graduate. She's <laughs> finally, finally. So this has only been a four-year process for her. And we're excited to have her here on a number of levels. Now, before she became a doctor, she was a Division I athlete, playing basketball, killer crossover, stop and pop, <laughs> during the three, you name it, she did it. And uh, after, after college, she went on to be a personal trainer. And that was, what, 15 years that you did that? It was. And uh, it worked was. with the athletes, helped them, but that wasn't enough. So she um, went on to for some additional training. Now, what, what other training did you do? So I got my master's in exercise physiology up at St. Cloud State University. It was a Division II college. And so I trained their teams, and they gave me an education, so it was a win-win. On Sweet. both sides. It's pretty great. But that wasn't, eno wasn't enough either, was it? Nope, wasn't so enough. decided to go on and become an osteopathic physician. Mm -hmm. And she uh, worked in, uh, was trained in Arizona and then came out here to Texas. Since she's been here at the University of North Texas, she continues to work with athletes uh, here associated with the school. And the reason why we brought her in is she has some really specialized knowledge and skills. And oh, excited, excited. You, you know we've already talked about back pain because yes. that's what everyone <laughs> talks about is back pain. It is. But back pain doesn't necessarily come from the back. This is true. And that's it's what we're talking true. about today. It is. So what do we bring you to, to talk to, to us about? So today we're going to be talking about low back pain in a different perspective. I'm sure a lot of people have heard about the upper and lower crossed syndromes. Well, right? if and you haven't heard, you'll if you hear haven't about heard, it today. You'll this, hear about it today. This is what we're talking about today. So the lower cross syndrome we see on a regular basis. As Dr. Dante put it, it is literally the diabetes of musculoskeletal medicine. <laughs> right, right. So that's what we're going to be talking about today, how, how something insidious can happen over time to cause low back pain that, that can be preventable. And that's the amazing thing about this is so much of what we deal with can be preventable, especially lower cross syndrome. Yes. And, you know, we think about the back, we don't realize that the hips are involved with the back. No. And the hips in particular play a vital role with this. You know, your hips. <laughs> enormous. <laughs> enormous. Yes. It's big. I mean, the hips put, uh, go through a lot of stress. Mm -hmm. We were just talking about this uh, off the show about how when you walk, each side of your hips has to bear between one and a half to three times your body weight with every step. Every step. And you, you can imagine through your life, that's a lot of steps. It's a lot of steps, it's a lot of strain, and that strain has to go somewhere. And it usually goes out through your hips. Now your hips, you, you can think of them as a, a platform. Yeah. And attached to your platform are three levers. So you got your spine mm -hmm. as one lever up top, and that's a big lever, mm -hmm. and then each leg counts as a lever. And that balance, we've talked about tensegrity in the past, mm -hmm. this is the same kind of deal here. We're balancing these levers on this platform. And so you have to have a lot of muscular strength. Oh yeah. That's a big deal. That is a big deal. You know, depending on what you read and how they label and count the musculature, there's at least 29 muscles that attach that lumbopelvic complex. It's, it's incredible stability and support that we have to have. 
Yeah, the, with, with all of that weight we have to put through, it doesn't matter how lightweight you are, that's no, a lot of force. It is. A and these muscles, they have to interact with each other mm -hmm. in a balanced way. Otherwise, things go awry. Things go awry. So why do we call lower cross syndrome lower cross syndrome in the first place? I love it. You know, this is a slowly developing syndrome of, a mus of muscular imbalances, really. And it's between some major core musculature that we have, namely our glutes, our gluteal muscles, our uh, paraspinals, our hip flexors, and our abdominals. And so they call it the cross syndrome because if you can picture someone standing upright, the abdominals are weak in the front, the paraspinals in the back are too tight. The gluteals in the back are too weak, and the hip flexor in front is too tight. So you have this reciprocal crisscross pattern that develops solely so your body can keep some semblance of stability mm -hmm. as it uses those levers. Otherwise, as uh, Chris Cross used to say, we couldn't <laughs> jump, jump. <laughs> I had to go there. I, I couldn't it. help keep myself. Keep it coming, keep it coming. And, and you know, <laughs> The glutes in particular are interesting. They're a very mm -hmm. valuable muscle. Oh my in, in chimps, they're really small because they're not really necessary no. for walking on all fours. Right. But once we became bipedal, once we went on two feet, all of a sudden the glutes became huge mm -hmm. and very important. So now you're telling me we've got this syndrome where glutes are no longer important. And what happens? Glutes are enormously important, but when they when they get those decreased signals from the brain, which we'll talk about, and they essentially become inhibited, the smaller muscles have to do way more work, and that's where we start to see a lot of problems. Oh, so the smaller muscles are not used to working, and now they're having to work. Yeah, you know, the smaller muscles, if you think of, of a door, you know, if you're gonna, it has a hinge on one end, and you're gonna okay. open that door. Right. Logically speaking, you're gonna open it farthest away from that hinge as possible. You have the right. lever that's, advantage that, of that. that. That's what the lever does. Exactly, so if you try to open that door an inch away from the hinge, it's not gonna work very well. And it's not right? gonna move very fast. So you get a lot of these smaller muscles in and around the pelvis, their job is for stability, not for mobility. Okay. And then you see you have m bigger muscles like the glute complexes, the hip flexor complexes, the quad complexes. They're bigger, they span a lot more distance, which gives them a le an advantage with the biomechanical lever. Yeah, so right. it gives them the strength to move using yes. that lever. So when we lose that lever, those smaller ones for stability, they end up working overtime. <laughs> so uh, they start screaming. They start screaming. I, I love the uh, analogy you gave me. You said this, this is kind of <laughs> like an old married couple. This is, this is Mindy's analogy. I love it, it's yeah. great. It's an old married couple. There, there's one who's doing all the talking and then the other one does no talking at all. And the one who is talking, or screaming in this case, mm -hmm. has no idea that they're the only one that's talking or running their mouth. They have no idea. <laughs> they have no idea. And it's curious to me sometimes. We have a patient come into our office and they've got low back pain, but it's not their back at all. Mm -mm. It's not their back. Mm -hmm. Now, I was just doing some reading. There's uh, some great literature out there on what we're doing to ourselves. There's a syndrome mm -hmm. related. It's called sitting syndrome. Americans sit on average 12 hours a day. Oh. Wow. <laughs> right? Yes. Can you imagine? We're, we're sitting 12 hours a day. And so yes. no wonder we don't need our glutes. No, if, it, if it, that phrase, use it or lose it, is 100% applicable to our human system when it comes to the muscles we use, how we move, how we ambulate. Yes, if we don't use it, we lose it. And this is an in, a prime example. Now, with these glutes in particular, I know we're focusing a lot on this early on, but do you find that the glutes just shrink or they just stop talking? They just stop talking and they shrink, right? If there's no demand placed on 
a muscle or a muscle group, you don't lose the muscle cells, but there's atrophy. It's incredible. Okay. The human system it takes at least four to six weeks to create a motor pattern to use a group of muscles for motor patterning. That's right? a long time. It is, but you think about when injuries happen, you lose that way faster than you gain it, and it's an incredible protective mechanism of our body. Okay. There's no way our body's going to let us hurt ourselves further by, have, by being able to take an increased load. It won't allow that. It just won't. So if it shrinks the muscles, you physically can't. Okay, so that, that shrinks the muscles on the backside. Tell us what's going on mm -hmm. to the muscles in the front end then. On the front end. So there's two concepts we at least have to throw out there. The concept of inhibition mm -hmm. and the concept of facilitation. You know, okay. We talk about that in medical school all the time and it's sometimes we think it's those cliche catchwords, but they're not. What happens with inhibition, take the glutes as an example, right? If we're sitting all day and those glutes aren't getting signals that they need to actually fire and engage and do their job, the brain eventually tones down the signals and that motor pattern because you're not using it. So the brain stops talking to them. Yes. It's kind of like, I've got some great kids. I've got five of them, we all know. <laughs> but there are some times that they seem, seem to tone mom and dad out <laughs> and they're thinking, well, mom and dad is just gonna stop talking. And, and yeah. in this case, yes, the brain does stop talking. It it's does. like, you're not listening to me, it so does. why would I talk to you? It tones down those signals. And on the flip side for facilitation, we'll take the hip flexors for an example, right? We sit at a desk, mm. our hip flexors essentially shorten. Okay. So your brain gets the feedback of, oh, you're shorter. So that's the, the new length we're going to have you be at. Oh, so now you gotcha. get up and you're trying to walk around and move or do any of your activities of daily living. Those brain are sending increased signals to the facilitated segments and they tone down the signals to the inhibited segments. So we're dealing with four groups, two of which are facilitated, two of which are inhibited. So we get up in this shortened condition. <laughs> yes. And, and our, our hip flexors are like, Ain't nobody got time for that. <laughs> Ain't nobody I'm not going to be doing this. that. You know, no. they, they start screaming like, hey, what are you doing to me? I don't want to be longer anymore. Right, and we feel it. We feel it when we stand up. Even if we sit for, you know, an hour or so at, at our desks, we get up and you feel that, oh, that little bit of tightness, that little mm -hmm. bit of, mm, mm -hmm. until you start moving again. Well, and that, that hip flexor, that muscle's attached all along the lower back. Oh, really hugely T12, important. so the mid-back all, all the way down the lower back. Mm -hmm. So you can imagine that door frame or that door analogy, say we had attached a strap onto that, onto that hinge, mm -hmm. that hinge tries to open up and the strap just blocks it. It's like, yep. nope, not gonna Won't let, let it, it open up anymore. Won't let it do it. I, I'm not interested in that. No, you know, there's a, a really neat concept in the world of engineering that also applies to our human system. It's called hysteresis. Oh, tell me about it. And we've all done the knee-jerk reflex, right? You have to check reflexes. Right, so when right. you when you stretch a muscle quickly, you get that reflexive contraction. Boom, okay. there's our reflex, right? What hysteresis does, you can think of it as hijacking this reflex uh -oh. without the reflexive contraction. So what happens is your brain gets that signal of that increased stretch, right? Mm -hmm. but it's not fast, like in a reflex. Hmm. So you get this slow stretch, a slow deformation of those tissues that are now longer than they're supposed to, and instead of the reflexive contraction, you get a new elongated state. So you're setting a, a new norm. Yes. In, instead yes. of wanting to contract back to where it mm -hmm. needs to be. So instead of the, the glutes contracting and saying, okay, we're pulling things back, mm -hmm. the glutes are like, oh, what's going on? Yeah, they just are like, okay, it's this like, is our new length. I'm not needed, so I'm not going to yeah. say anything. Right. So our, our uh, glutes become a little depressed. They and do. And just stop communicating. They do. <laughs> <laughs> they do for sure. 
So, uh, so how does that uh, involve with the uh, abdominal muscles, the front muscles? This is great. So if you can, again, I want you to picture a posture. Okay, picturing okay? a posture. And we've all seen men and women, it spans a spectrum. It's not unique to one gender, but you see a person standing and they've got that sway back and their belly's kind of, I don't want to say sticking out, but maybe just protruding a little bit because they're low back, they've got that sway back. And then you keep looking down, they've got their knees locked out. So it's almost like you're creating this curve of the body that isn't really a natural curve. You look at it and you see it. You're like, they're standing there, but Wait that a second. Doesn't, doesn't look right. Does something yeah. just not like it's supposed to be. Right, and so that's, that's that first, like, okay, let's just take a look at that for starters when it comes to just the lower cross, everything. Well, and this, I love how you said this is this slow onset. This is really insidious. Very. I mean, this, is, this is not like the person Very. who's picking up something off the floor and their back goes out and like, oh, I bulged a disc or, right. or, or someone who's on a ladder falls off the ladder and lands right. on their back. Oh, my back hurts. This is happening slowly. Very so slowly. This, is, this is not an immediate thing. I mean, how long okay. is this going to take for this to develop and become symptomatic? Any ideas? You know, um, it can, I don't know if I can give you an exact time frame um, at all, but there's definitely things that would catch people's attention. Sure. For example, different scenarios. It is insidious. You know, we've all heard men and women say, oh, I've got a bad back. I've got a bad back. Well, what does that really mean? Does that mean I'm working in the yard and after a day of raking leaves, I can barely walk the next day? Mm -hmm. Does that mean you're moving things around the garage for spring cleaning and you're like, oh, my back just spasms and gets so tight? Does that mean I'm trying to get groceries out of the trunk and I pick a bag up and oh, my back? You know, if you have these things over and over, chances are pretty good that this syndrome has developed. Oh, so you're saying that this could have been there all along and it's finally showing up in other things you're doing. Yes, uh, exactly. For, just so everyone knows, Mindy's also from Minnesota. So <laughs> yes, I am. Uh, th this could happen <laughs> when you're shoveling snow, oh too, Oh, my right? goodness, it's notorious. <laughs> I should give you, oh, yeah, you betcha for that. <laughs> you might say it's notorious. <laughs> it is. Keep them <laughs> oh, coming. Snap. Keep them coming, Dr. James. I went James. there. I went there. <laughs> I, I did. It is. It's no, uh, it is notorious. You know, you have, whether it's shoveling snow or men and women, like, hey, I'm going to put some gravel out or landscape. It's it's one of those things. You start to see these little minor things kind of accumulate over time, but it doesn't necessarily mean you have a, quote, bad back. It might mean that you've got some imbalances. You may have not been moving like you should have been. And we've, yes. as we've talked about the, on this show in the past, yes. movement is life and life is movement. And mm -hmm. if we're not moving appropriately, our body starts to tell us. It's interesting to me that we've, we've talked about tensegrity in the past, too that big idea that we're a balanced system. Mm -hmm. But now we're taking tensegrity and turning it on its head by throwing an imbalance so slowly the system doesn't respond. Right, you know, the system is incredible. You start shifting the tensions throughout that tensegrity system and it can bend and it can buffer so much, mm -hmm. right? It can, it can adjust around things and that's what this syndrome is. This syndrome is the adjustment around those imbalances. Okay. You can only do it for so long before you do something, oh, I'm just picking up a piece of garbage and what happened to my back? I just, you know, picked up my kid, my baby, and what happened to my back? You know, it, it has a breaking point. Your body can only buffer for so long before the system is going to 
have a failure to some extent. Yeah, it's kind of like when you pull on a rubber band. You can only pull it so far before it breaks. You can only pull it so far. Uh, and our body is no different. Um, we've talked about the tensegrity day in the past about how you put so much stretch and finally those uh, those elastic components finally just give way. Mm -hmm. Exactly. And just like any kind of rope or any kind of system. Mm -hmm. So anyone is at risk at this then? Anyone. Anyone. You know, desk desk life, the majority of jobs in the U.S., you know, you have like the white collar, middle class, blue collar. It doesn't matter if you're sitting. I don't care if you're a, you work at a desk, you're a gamer, you are a writer. It doesn't matter. If you have that sitting posture, you're, have, you're at a setup for it just by default of sitting and not using your bod. So we're kind of doing this ourselves to ourselves. We are. We? we are. Well. It, it's amazing that the body can do this, but at the same time, there are some great things that we can do to yes, fix sir. it. Yes, sir. Because we're all about finding and fixing stuff. Yes, we are. So we're going to talk about this uh, in a little more detail, but uh, I'm excited to learn about what we're going to do for this today. So here's a fun fact about this lower cross syndrome. There are some studies that show that this pattern can develop in as little as 15 minutes of sitting. So maybe you wanna set those timers for 15 instead of hour and a half. All right, so Dr. Mindy. Dr. James. We have someone come into our office complaining of back pain. How in the world do you know to look for lower cross syndrome? You know, like we were talking about earlier, just having them stand up and do a structural screen like we all learned how to do in our osteopathic medical schools mm -hmm. can give so much information. Like what right? kind of information are we looking for? So I'm going to give you a little bit of an exaggerated one to sure. make it obvious and I'm sure people will relate, be able to relate. And just so you, imagine in your minds as she describes this, this is you. This is you <laughs> and your patients. So they stand up, right? J and just let them stand in their normal okay. posture. And what you're gonna see is you're gonna see that and I say sway back in quotes. Yeah. Where you get the yeah sway wh back. What does that mean, sway back? You get that hyperlordosis. So the, the lower low back, back is super curved, yeah, more than their normal. Really curvy. Curve. Really curvy in that low back. And what that does, that really curvy, it tilts their hips forward. Oh. Right? So you get this forward tilt of the pelvis. And that, it, it's actually hard to tilt your pelvis forward. Right. And not have your knees lock out. So you're gonna see this, this curvy low back, you're gonna see the hips tilted forward, you're gonna see the knees hyperextended. Oh, and so the knees are gonna be more straight than normal. Yes, they're gonna be okay. much straighter than normal. They almost look like they're hyperextending Okay, so it's kind of like they're wearing a, a set of high heels and they're just kind of leaning forward. Yeah, that, that's what they have to do. When that hip tilts forward like that, that's really the only way you can keep your center of gravity balanced. Okay. So again, okay. it's, it's that tensegrity shift of compensating that we're looking at. It's trying to stay upright because that's what we like to do. Just trying to stay upright as best as you can. There are some days that is more difficult than others just to stay <laughs> yes. upright. So that's number one. We, we look at them structurally. Okay. And the second step is we're going to watch them move. Mm -hmm. Okay. Because with that, that an, we call it anterior tilt when that hips are tilting forward. Uh, we call it forward. that anterior pelvic tilt. Mm -hmm. There's a very predictable pattern that develops with that anterior tilt. Okay. Right? So the next step is having them walk to see if this is all matching up and putting together. So we're looking for this pattern as they're walking then, is that? Yes, you see the, the pattern while they're standing. Now when they walk, when those hips are anterior, you're going to get an internal rotation of both legs, okay, which is going to translate to greater pronation when they walk. So they're, they're 
uh, feet or their arches are going to be collapsing a little bit. Yes, exactly. Now, are they going to be towing in as they walk no, as they well? No, they might. They may or may not, depending on what their anatomy is. But putting the whole picture together for the mm -hmm. lower cross, okay. when they're actually moving and walking, that, that sway back is going to stay. You might see a little extra hyperextension when their heel hurt first hits the ground. Okay. But you're going to see this rolling into their feet also. Okay. And that's part of that. Yeah. You know, dropping arch or pronation, however you want to. All of the compensations all of the for compensations. the fact mm -hmm. that your butt muscles are not They're firing not off. Working. They're not working. The, huh? the butt, the gluteal muscles aren't working. The hip okay. flexors and the quads are trying to do too much, and so that's step two. Okay. All right, step three, if this is on your radar, like, hey, this is all fitting the picture, you can do a couple other functional things to test it out as well. You can have a real gentle step stool and have them just step up on a stool. Have them hold onto the counter or anything in your office. But as, that, as they step up, you're going to just gently let your hands span their low back, their gluteals, and their gluteals and their hamstrings. What's firing and what's not? Okay. Right? Very simple, very simple, tactile, tangible way to see what's going. So we're looking it? for a firing pattern really. Yes. What muscles are going off and what's not. And you know, mm -hmm. it's, it's been interesting as I've been introduced, I was introduced to this while, when I came here in mm -hmm. the last year. <laughs> and it blew my mind like, oh snap, what yeah. is going on? And then as I test these things out and the glutes just don't fire it off don't. at all. No. And, and you f you're feeling for it and it's like, where'd it go? Where did it go? You, you feel the hamstrings are firing mm -hmm. and you feel those lower back muscles, the erector spinae, they're firing just fine, but the, the glutes are just like, eh, I don't care. Yeah, they don't, they're like, we don't really have a job anymore. We kind of got turned down, turned <laughs> down and turned off. They turned down, turned off. I'm going to go do my own thing. I'm yeah. going to be able to go on a beach somewhere. And <laughs> right. I'm on vacay. Don't <laughs> call me. Really? Don't call me. Let me be. So there, there are two types. Type A and Type mm -hmm. B. How would you tell the difference between Type A and Type B? This is interesting. So Type A is what we've just been describing. That curvy low back, that sway back, those hips tilted forward, the internal rotation of your both of your legs, a little bit of you know arch drop or pronation. The Type B, instead of having that real sway back, you see it more in the upper mid back. So they, it's a, an enhanced curve. It's an enhanced curve. But somewhere else. It is. It's higher up the chain. So would you see less of a curve in the lower back in general, kind of like a, st a straight lower back? Yeah, it, it almost like that curve straightens out, like that lever when you were at the very beginning you were talking yeah, about. Yeah. So instead of that lever having a curve and taking more strain towards the pelvis, mm -hmm. it straightens to provide a rigidity for this extra curve in the upper back now. Now you get this more hunched okay. over type curve in the middle to upper thoracics or the extra kyphosis, that extra kind of hunched over the, look. The extra curve so there's forward. two ways that that spine can, can compensate. So if we're f filling out that back, does it feel less flexible in general? Absolutely. If, if you see that type B picture where this looks oddly rigid and that you don't really have that curve in your low back, but you get this big curve in the upper mid, mid and upper back, yes. So is that an easy one to miss? <laughs> you know, I, I will I will admit I've seen this in patients before, mm -hmm. and it didn't strike me as oh, lower cross syndrome because there's mm -hmm. stuff going on in the mid back or the right. upper back. Yes, it can be. It can be to the degree and the extent. Right? We're we're describing this a little bit exaggerative to make a point to describe sure. this compensation pattern, but depending on the grade of where you are, I've been sitting for years versus I got a new desk job. You know, okay. and anywhere. Okay 
in between that scenario. So s can someone at home kind of see this? I mean, would this sure. be something that they Stand would be able to, to look at? Stand in front of a mirror and turn sideways. <laughs> really, you know, okay, okay. Let, let's see what we're dealing with. You know, if you just Trying on some new clothes and yeah. you're just like, oh, by the way, look, right. does my back look flat to you? Yeah, and you, know, you just if you just let yourself relax and just stand like you normally stand, just look. Okay. Look and see what's going on. So this brings to mind now, as osteopathic physicians, mm -hmm. we do things a little bit different. We do. We do things a little bit unique. We do. And it's great what we do. How would an osteopathic physician do this a little bit different in taking care of this? And taking care of this. So I'm going to come from the vein of the manipulative medicine side. Sure. You know, just in this entire world of medicine, we we have our own strengths and we rely on the strengths of others. Right. right. I'm going to rely right. on a cardiologist's strength over my knowledge of cardiology. Right. Yeah. I'm family because, medicine. Yeah. Your sports med. Your family med. That, that's what you do. Right. That's what you do. And so so given that we all have our own strengths, if if I'm coming from the vein of manipulative medicine and musculoskeletal medicine, <clears throat> there's a lot we can do when it comes to this. The most amazing thing about this human system is the brilliance of our design. Right. Absolutely. So just it's because amazing. it is, just because there's muscle groups that haven't been engaged or haven't been quote turned on in a while doesn't mean we can't do that. It the body will respond every time if you give it clear instructions on how to do so. Oh. Mm -hmm. Okay. So we're gonna we're gonna basically retrain the body. Mm -hmm. Is that what it is? Absolutely. Absolutely. You know, there's some really cool studies that have been done with the geriatric population, mm -hmm. even into their mid-90s. They've taken uh, groups of elderly individuals and given them strength training programs. The body responds. So you're saying you can teach an old doc new <laughs> yes, tricks? Yes, you can. Keep <laughs> it coming, Dr. James. Uh, I love this. Yeah, you can teach an old <laughs> human new tricks, too. <laughs> you can. And that's just the remarkable uh, brilliance and plasticity of our brain to this musculoskeletal system. It's incredible. It's incredible. So just because you have a desk job and you're forced to you know, sit for eight hours a day doesn't mean you have to end up with lower cross syndrome or back pain. So is it a matter then of uh, turning switches back on? Fli finding the switches that are off yes. and flipping them back yes. on? Yes. It now, is. Now how easy is it for someone to do that? I know that's a bit of a loaded question. It is a loaded question. What is this going to take? You know, once we, once we make sure that obviously all the the medical and the neurological exams and there's no focal deficits and we're dealing with an organically compensated pattern. Mm -hmm. I'm not talking about bulging discs, I'm not talking about pathology. We're talking about this is a compensated pattern with your muscles, right? Okay. When we see that and you understand uh, how those kinetic chains work together, absolutely. But the key is engaging your brain in that motor patterning. That's, that's really the crux of everything. That's difficult. It I, is. I, every patient I see with this, I get them on the table and say, we're going to fire these off. And they'll, they're, uh, invariably, their response is, I don't know how to do that. Yes. And that, that's the most fun part. It's, it's, I shouldn't say this. It sounds sadistic when I say this. The, the fun part is watching the struggle. Right. But it's in the struggle that the brain is figuring out the pattern. And it, whether it takes 10 seconds or 45 seconds, the brain will do it. It's incredible and how it will re-engage those patterns. So it's okay watching that person be frustrated because the brain's gonna do it. It's just a matter of time. And time and effort. It's, mm -hmm. it's striking to me that we all know our glutes. Yes. We, we all know where they are. <laughs> yes. We use them every day, or at least we, we sit we, on them every day. We hope we use them every day, right. And yet we don't know how to connect to them. Right. And that reconnection is what's key. It is. So 
how are we going to start them off on reconnecting? You know, we all have uh, a little different way to engage this, but, but sure. there is a stepwise progression. And part of this comes from my background of training athletes, mm -hmm. getting people when they're injured, uh, whether it's low back stuff or hip injury or knee injury, there's always a ground zero, always. Right, and that's where that's where I start with my patients. Okay. Number one, there's something that we, once we change the patterning, mm -hmm. they're given homework. Uh oh, right? homework. <laughs> homework. Throwback. Throwback to school days. But yes, yes, your body can fix itself. <laughs> it's amazing, and you know the the neatest thing about this human system is that once we um, help jumpstart that pattern with the brain, mm -hmm. and the patients actually engage this homework. It is absolutely remarkable how right. they improve. And they feel the difference. I mean, as, as soon as within three to five days of them doing this, they're like, this feels different. I don't have back pain when I'm standing in line at the grocery store or when I'm walking down the sidewalk. And they say that with a smile on they their face. They do. They come back and they're like, it doesn't hurt so much anymore. Right. What did you do? <laughs> what did you do? I'm like, you, like, did uh, you did it. You did it. It wasn't me. You did it. You, Your you system did it. Mm -hmm. that, that, and that's amazing. So. We usually see pretty qu quick response, but when I say quick, mm -hmm. we're talking in a series of weeks to months, right? Well, there are some modalities that we use where we can change that pattern in a matter of a couple of minutes. However, very big however. Very big. The patient has to engage that process, and that's what makes it long-term. There's things that we can do to activate those patterns. If the patient does nothing, it's only going to last like maybe two, three days. So if they don't do their homework, they're not getting, a, getting an A. They are not. <laughs> <laughs> they're not. Now, it's tempting, though, to say, we'll just go do exercise and everything will be better. Because, you know, we do focus on the whole mm -hmm. exercise movement. It's true. That's true, yeah. Heal. But sometimes exercise, if done inappropriately, can have an opposite effect. 100% right. What kind of exercises are we looking at here? You know, when you look at the, the pattern of this lower cross syndrome, if we know that the hip flexors are too tight and we know that the quads are trying to help, if you just say, oh, just go do some squats, just go do some lunges, just go, because people are just like, I see people doing things at the gym, I think I can do that, I'm gonna throw yeah. a little weight on the bar, that's a recipe go for disaster. I'm gonna do myself like deadlift or something like that. Yes, and all those things are great tools. Right. But if, that, if the patterning is off, you can strengthen that compensation to a point where you really do have more legitimate pain. It can be, in the long term, a setup for something like a disc, for something more well, pathologic. And I can imagine that uh, if we were talking so much about the communication with the brain and the muscles, if we enhance the communication to the wrong muscles, then we're going to continue to shut off the muscles that we're trying to fire off, right? Exactly right. So, exactly how, right. so how we're going to avoid this is targeted very exercise. Targeted. Very exercise. targeted. Mm -hmm. Okay, so we're going to fix it by reprogramming things. But how do we prevent it in the first place? Best question ever. Just get up and move. Just get up and move. You know, if everybody has a lunch break, I hope everybody has a lunch break. <laughs> you better have a lunch break. <laughs> right. We, <laughs> you know, yeah, that, that would be a. You, you bad can have your to. lunch and go for a walk. Go for a 10 minute walk and take the stairs back to your desk. Right? There's a lot of ways. I actually had a patient who uh, devised something pretty cool for himself because cool. he actually he engaged in the homework and he got way more balanced. So his, his low back pain really started dissipating very nicely. Mm -hmm. so what he concocted at work is he sat uh, on his phone every hour and a half. He'd get up, 
he'd walk up two flights of stairs, take the elevator down, go back to his desk. Oh. That was his way of just taking okay. two minutes to move during the day. I had another woman who decided that she was going to round a couple of her girlfriends at lunchtime. They were going to have their lunch, and they were going to go for a 15-minute walk. I'm like, these are win-wins, easy solutions for your day-to-day. -day. You know, even if the bare minimum, you set a little timer on your phone or on your watch that every hour you just get up and go to the water cooler and back. Even if it's something that's... <laughs> Find a that's reason to get off of your... <laughs> yes. Get off your glutes and start using your that's glutes. That's right. Just, just get off and go. Yeah, one thing that I've done recently is I've been uh, increasing my amount of sleep because mm -hmm. uh, sleep deprivation just makes things worse. So much worse. But I found that the getting more sleep has taken away from my exercising. So now mm -hmm. I'm parking farther away from work. It's brilliant. And I'm finding that as I walk farther, then I'm at least getting some exercise Absolutely. where I, I'm missing out because I'm sleeping, which is not uh, truly a missing out. Yeah. And then I also do take the stairs every time I can get. We're fortunate to have uh, six flights of stairs between the ground floor <laughs> and our yes, office. Yes, we are. Floor. And it's, it's funny, I'll get up top and uh, some of our attendants say, Dr. Dr. James, why are you sweating? What's going on? What's wrong? Oh, don't worry. I just took the stairs. Took the stairs. I took a shower, put on deodorant, and took the stairs. We'll be okay. <laughs> we'll be all right. <laughs> we'll be okay. Uh, I think it's very important for us to get this message out that get moving. One, one thing I've started to add, advise my patients to do is what's called micro movements yeah. or for a non-medical term fidgeting Fidgets. when you're at your desk start <laughs> moving your shoulders mm -hmm. rolling your head back and forth turn yeah. on some music and bop to the feet. music yeah. tap your feet move 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 mm -hmm. and uh, make sure you're hydrating well too that is another good one that's another good one for sure well, Dr. Minnie, thanks for coming on to the this show. This has today. been awesome, Dr. Uh, James. I love it. This is a good time. Is a, is a regular thing that we can find, mm -hmm. that we can fix, and then we'll leave it alone. Leave it alone and let, let them keep doing it for themselves. Wonderful. And thank you for listening to Rolling Bones today. Next time, we're going to be talking more about water. You know, we've talked a little bit about it in the past. We're going to be talking more water. We're going to be talking sleep and all sorts of other stuff. Thank you for listening. Thank you for listening to Rollin' Bones, the osteopathic podcast. Follow us on Instagram and Twitter at Rollin' Bones Pod, or shoot us an email at rollinbonespod at gmail.com. That's R-O-L-L-I-N Bones, P-O-D. Rollin' Bones is brought to you by the University of North Texas and Texas College of Osteopathic Medicine. Executive producer Brenda Jaskulski, producer Rob Upchurch, and medical advisor Dr. Saj Survey contributed to this podcast. Medicine is a constantly changing science and art with various approaches from practitioner to practitioner. This podcast presents the Roland Bones doctor's views of osteopathic medicine and osteopathic manipulative treatment and will be as evidence-based as possible. Comments, suggestions, or corrections of errors are welcome. No money from drug or device companies is accepted. By listening to this podcast, you agree not to use this podcast as medical advice to treat any medical condition in either yourself or others, including but not limited to patients that you are treating. Consult your own physician for any medical issues that you may be having. This applies to the hosts, guests, and contributors to the podcast. Under no circumstances shall James Aston, Dante Perez, Saj Survey, podcast producers, the University of North Texas, Texas College of Osteopathic Medicine, or any guests or contributors to the podcast be responsible for damages arising from use of the podcast. This podcast should not be used in any legal capacity whatsoever, including but not limited to establishing standard of care in a legal sense or as a basis for expert witness testimony. No guarantee is given regarding the accuracy of any statements or opinions made on the podcast. This podcast is HIPAA compliant. While you may give your email address to make comments or requests, we will never share your email address or contact information with any third parties without your explicit permission.